All right, good morning, Grace Church. That was a great time of worship, and like Brad said, you know, that song was for him, you know, that he was going to worship with or without you. This message is for me, okay? This message is going to be preached with or without you, but I want to bring you along with us on this journey this morning. We are starting a brand new series called Prayer, and uh, this morning as we uh, uh, begin this uh, idea of what it means to pray, what it means to, to go to the Lord, our Father, in prayer, Gosh, I hope and pray, and I've been asking and, and, and just trusting that God is going to show you ways that you can be more powerful, more effective, um, even more diligent in your prayer life. You know, we've been on uh, quite the journey in our message series this year here at Grace Church, and I just kind of want to remind you, we, we had a series some time back called Ideal Parenting, and we were talking about the reality that there is no ideal family. Um, we're all... Uh, full of flaws. We all have imperfections, but uh, Jesus is the ideal. He is the standard, and so we look to him when we want to find our way. We would look to him when we want to find an example of, of what to do or how to do it or why we should do it, but in parenting, um, we realize that it's a battle, and it's, it, can be, it, it can be hard sometimes as a parent, and this uh, series called Prayer is going to help us in that task of being a godly parent. We also had a series called Strapped, where we talked about our personal finances, and we, we, we dreamt about the day when every individual and every family in Grace Church could be debt-free. Like, imagine what that would be like for you personally, for your family. Imagine what that would be like for our church. And the very cool thing is some people took that serious, and there's some people who are, who are making some decisions, they're taking some steps to get out of debt financially so that they can be freed up to be a blessing to other people and to go where God leads them to go. And then uh, last month we had a series called Windward. And it was listening to the Holy Spirit of God and going wherever God leads you to go and doing whatever God leads you to do. And I wanted to follow up the Windward series with a series on prayer because if we go Windward, if we go out into the deep, if we go where God is leading us to go, where the Spirit of God is taking us, we are going to have to move forward on our knees. We're going to have to be a praying church. We're going to have to be a praying people. It's going to take prayer to, to be able to keep us out in the deep. Uh, <clears throat> outside of prayer, I think the waves will overtake us. But because of prayer, we'll be able to withstand the waves and we'll be able to do and to accomplish what God leads us to do. In 1834, a man by the name of George Mueller made the decision to do something about the staggering number of orphans in England. When he started to care about orphans, God stirred in his heart, stirred in his mind. He led George to go windward, and he put a burden on his heart for the orphans in England. And when George started to care about orphans, there were accommodations for 3,600 orphans in all of England, okay? An entire nation only had 3,600 beds for orphans. Almost twice that number, under the age of eight, children, almost twice that number were in prison. Like, imagine that, okay? They didn't know what to do with these kids. They didn't have homes for them. They didn't have beds for them. So let's just put them in jail. Like, they'll get some food and they'll be locked up so we don't have to worry about them. 
According to biographer A.T. Pearson, 50 years after Mr. Mueller began his work, he, he decided to go windward. He began to, uh, he made the decision to do something about the orphan problem. At least 100,000 orphans were cared for in England alone. Now check this out. This is, this is incredible. Throughout his ministry, George Mueller prayed in millions of dollars in today's currency. He prayed in millions of dollars for the orphans. And George is always known for, for the reality that he never asked anyone for money. He never sent out support letters. He never advertised. He never asked people for money. Instead, he trusted God to put in people's hearts He trusted God. He prayed to God. He said, Lord, burden the hearts of people to send us what we need. And many stories are told throughout his ministry that oftentimes uh, many orphans would sit down at a table getting ready to eat. There was nothing to eat. And randomly a, a food truck would pull up. And they said, hey, we made deliveries and we have an abundance of food and we just want to donate it to your orphanage. And they would have food. Man, he never asked for money. He never sent out support letters, never advertised. But God always provided everything that he and the orphans needed. Neither he nor the orphans were ever hungry. On Wednesday, March 9th, 1898, George Mueller passed away. And at his funeral, tens of thousands of people reverently stood along the route of this simple procession. Men left their workshops and their offices, and women left their elegant homes and their humble kitchens. They were all seeking to to pay a last token of respect to George Mueller. A thousand children gathered for a service at the orphan house, and it was said of George Mueller that he fed 10,000 orphans with prayer. That's how he did it. How did you do this, George? With prayer. The incredible power of prayer. George Mueller, an imperfect man, he leveraged everything for those who were far from Jesus. Now listen to the words of George Mueller. This is, man, it just impacted me this week, and I trust that it's going to impact you as well. But this is what he wrote, and he's pleading with his readers, people that were reading some of... uh, Um, the olden day blogs, okay? Um, He was pleading with them. Listen to the words of George Mueller. He says, and he kind of take it personal. He's writing to you. He says, my dear Christian reader, will you not try this way? Will you not know for yourself the preciousness and the happiness of this way of casting all your cares and all your burdens and all your necessities upon God? This way is as open to you as to me. Everyone is invited and commanded to trust in the Lord, to trust in him with all his heart, and to cast his burden upon him and to call upon him in the day of trouble. Will you not do this, my dear brethren in Christ? I long that you may do so. I desire that you may taste the sweetness of that state of heart in which, while surrounded by difficulties and necessities, You can yet be at peace because you know that the living God, your Father in heaven, cares for you. Man, 
That's so powerful. Like he's just pleading with us. Will you not try this way? You know, what's so interesting is we give our lives to so many things in this world. There's so many things to give our lives to. But I'm afraid that at the end of the day, when we look back on our lives, we're like, man, what was it for? Sometimes I think we're going to look back with regret and we're going to say, man, I, I think I gave my life to the wrong cause. I think I gave my life to the wrong things. And George Mueller here is saying, man, this way, this way of going windward, this way of following Christ, like this is the only way. This is the only way that you're going to get to the end of your life and you're going to look back and say, boy, it wasn't easy. Wow, there was some hardships. Wow, I didn't do everything right. But wow, this is the way. Like it was worth it. It was worth it. You know, as we go out into the deep, as we go this windward way, we are going to need the power of prayer more than ever before. We're going to need to be on our knees in prayer. Prayer is one of the core values here at Grace Church. Prayer is one of the greatest weapons that we have as followers of Jesus Christ. But honestly, it's one of the weapons that I think we don't know how to use very well. All right? I kind of get the image of, you know, sticking a big, you know, bazooka in a little baby's arms. Like, we just don't know how to use this weapon effectively. Listen, you don't have to raise your hands, okay? You don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you have struggled with prayer in your prayer life? You don't have to raise your hands, but I'm going to raise both of mine, okay? You've struggled with prayer, not knowing what to pray. Like, man, what, what do you pray? What do you say? How, how's it supposed to work? Or maybe you've struggled with being full of distractions. Like, okay, I'm going to pray. And, oh, man, the Broncos play the Jets today. And, you know, you start, you start just, just distractions come into your mind. And you start thinking about the craziest things. Or maybe you struggle when you pray. You struggle with not believing what you pray. Like, I'm going to pray because I know this is what I'm supposed to do as a Christian, but I, I don't think it's really going to happen, you know? I don't, I don't know. You have this doubt. You have this unbelief that you're battling. And I, I think we could learn some things about how to pray. I think we could learn some things about how to use this powerful weapon more effectively. I think we could learn some things. And one way that we can learn is by looking at the prayer life of Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to do this morning. In Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, Luke was one of the disciples of Jesus. He's recording, he's writing what he saw, what he experienced by walking and, and uh, being with Jesus. But he said this about his experience with Jesus. Luke chapter 1 and verse 11, it says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. And as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. I highlighted those, those three words. Jesus was praying. Jesus was praying. I find that statement to be so fascinating. I mean, why would Jesus have to pray? I mean, he is God in the bod, you know? He is God in the flesh. He's fully God. So why would he have to pray? He came from heaven. He's God's son. Why, why would Jesus have to pray? Listen, all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, 
Luke and John. These were disciples. These were men who uh, <clears throat> walked with Jesus. They heard Jesus. They got to experience firsthand. They were eyewitnesses to Jesus. They all offer captivating glimpses into the prayer life of Jesus Christ. And this morning, we're going to look at a few reasons why Jesus prayed. But before we do that, I need to give us just a couple theological reasons why Jesus prayed. And the first one is, Jesus prayed to set an example for us to follow. All right, when you're, when you're stuck between a rock and a really hard rock, okay, a rock and a hard place, we're supposed to look to Jesus as our example. Like, man, what did Jesus do? What, how did he handle this? We're supposed to look to him as our example. So Jesus prayed to set an example for us to look to, and that includes our prayer life. The second thing is Jesus was both fully divine and he was fully human. Okay, He was fully God and he was fully human. So as a human, it was perfectly natural for a Jewish believer such as Christ to pray. It was... It was part of what you should do as a, as a believer. And then thirdly, okay, this is a theological reason that um, it might mess with your head a little bit, but the nature of the Trinity, okay, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three distinct beings, yet the Scripture says they are one, okay? The Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, allows for communication between its members of the Trinity. So as God the Son, okay, Jesus Christ, he could pray to God the Father. He could communicate with God the Father. And yet there's still one. Jesus prayed. And he prayed often. But why did Jesus pray? Why did Jesus pray? Or, man, who or what was he praying for? What were some of his prayers like? And what can we learn from the prayer life of Jesus? So look, let's look at some of the reasons why Jesus prayed. And, and if you are taking notes this morning, you're doing a great job. If you're not, I would highly recommend that you take some notes, okay? You can apply this to your prayer life. But first of all, we know that Jesus prayed for other people. This is something you can do in your prayer life, is you can pray for others this is one of many examples, but in Matthew 19 and verse 13, Matthew tells us about this example. He says this, Matthew 19, starting in verse 13, he says, One day some parents brought their children to Jesus. I actually kind of find this funny. <laughs> he, these parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. I'm not really sure kind of what was going on with these kids, but I just kind of picture some parents going, Jesus, please pray for my son. Please. Lay your hands on him and pray for him, you know? Like, they're just at their wit's end, and they're like, Jesus, please pray for this child. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering Jesus. But Jesus said, let the, let the children come to me. Like, don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. You see, this, this underscores the need for intercessory prayer. It's praying for the needs of other people. Jesus prayed for others. He lifted others up in prayer. He prayed for their needs. He prayed for their wants. He prayed for, for their struggles. And we can do the same. We can pray for other people. We can pray for one another. 
The second thing that we'll learn from Jesus' prayer life is that he prayed with other people. He prayed with others. Luke, another disciple, tells us about a time when Jesus took Peter, James, and John up to the mountains to pray. And Jesus knew the value of praying with other people. Luke underscores the importance of this in Acts chapter 1 and verse 14. Luke is, is writing this and he says, They all met together and were constantly united in prayer. Praying with other people. Gosh, it brings accountability. It, it helps you to stay focused. You're, not, you're less likely to get distracted when you're praying with other people. We also see at times, this is the third reason or the third thing that we can learn from Jesus, is that there were times where Jesus prayed alone. Okay, He prayed for others. He prayed with others. And we see right here that Jesus prayed alone. Luke again tells us in Luke 5, verse 16, that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Man, as much as Jesus understood the value of praying with and praying for other people, he also understood the need to pray alone. Psalm chapter 46 and verse 10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. Like sometimes it's important for us to be still. Sometimes it's important for us to get alone, for us to go to the mountains, to be alone with God, to hear from God, to pray with God, to listen to God. Sometimes it's important, but the only way we can do this is, you know, especially in our hectic culture, in our fast-paced culture, the only way to do this is just to get alone with God, to get away, to go to the mountains, to find a place of solitude, to be in prayer with God. I shared this story with you a couple weeks ago, but last year the elders of Grace Church um, uh, gave me a sabbatical, a time of rest. It was a two-week window where I was able to get away. And honestly, um, you know, regretfully I say that, man, this was really one of the first times I had ever done this in, in my ministry, where I had intentionally gotten away to just, man, be alone, to hear from God, to spend time with God, and it was life-changing. And so this morning, I'm encouraging you, as the people of God, to find some space, to not find it, make it, make some space to be alone with God, to get to the mountains, to where it's just you and Him, and you can pray, you can read the scriptures, you can listen, you can reflect. Gosh, it's so powerful, it's so needed, and Jesus modeled that for us. And it says often He did this. He did this often. By looking to Jesus, we also learn that Jesus prayed regularly. Okay, He prayed for others. He prayed with others. Jesus prayed alone. But he also prayed on a regular basis. It became a routine. It became a habit. It became a discipline in his life. The passage we read earlier shows the importance of this. In Luke 5, verse 16, it says, Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. You know, the word often, it's not hidden from us. It makes it obvious that Jesus prayed regularly. And throughout the Gospels, whenever we read of Jesus in prayer, it, it comes up regularly. It comes up naturally. It was simply a part of his worldview. It was integrated into every aspect of his life. He prayed, and he did it all the time. Prayer was a regular part of his life. And then lastly, something we're going to learn is Jesus also prayed based upon his knowledge of God and his truths. Jesus' prayers 
when he prayed, they were based upon God's revealed truths. Because they were in line, his prayers were in line with a biblical worldview. In John chapter 4, verse 24, this is the disciple John writing of his experiences with Jesus. He said this, God is a spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. He also said in John 8.32 that the truth will set you free. Why am I saying this? Because your prayers need to be in line with truth. Sometimes our prayers are maybe going the opposite direct direction of the character of God. Jesus underscored the importance of truth in his life. And in turn, he underscored the importance of truth in our lives. Powerful prayer requires us to have truthful understanding of God and what he has revealed to us through his word. That's why oftentimes when you're praying, it would be so so good. It would be so smart to have God's word with you right there. So that sometimes you can pray scripture. You can pray exactly what God is revealing to you. It goes hand in hand. We need to know God's word. We need to be in God's word because our prayers need to line up with truth. Our prayers need to line up with the character of God. Listen, God is not going to say yes to the prayers that are going the opposite direction of his character. He's not going to say yes to those prayers. He's not going to do something that is against his nature, against his character. So we need to learn who God is. We need to learn more about who we're praying to. And you do that through the scriptures. And lastly, Jesus, this is, this is a difficult one for us, but Jesus knew that all of his prayers would not be answered as expected. This is a hard one for us as followers of Jesus Christ because I think oftentimes we pray and I have an idea of how I want God to answer that prayer. I know how it should work out. But God has a different plan or a different course. And it can be frustrating. It can be trying. You can get to this place where you're like, man, is God even hearing my prayers? This is a difficult prayer lesson for us to learn. But the fact of the matter is that not all of our prayers are answered the way we expect them to be answered. And once again, Jesus modeled this for us. He set the example for us. And he did so in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said this in Matthew 26, verses 36. I'm sorry, Matthew 26, verse 39. Knowing that he was about to go to the cross. Okay, Jesus knew he was about to die an extremely brutal death. He was about to go to the cross Jesus prayed three different times for God to allow an easier path, for God to to take this path away, to, to, to make it work a different way. And remember, why was he going to the cross? He was going to pay your debt. He was going to pay the price for your sin. He was doing this because of his incredible love for you. You're like, man, what debt did I have? Well, Your debt was to the wrath of God. God is holy and just and perfect. And when we sin, man, God's wrath, it's unacceptable to the wrath of God. So somebody had to take the wrath of God. So when Jesus was hanging on the cross, the wrath of God was fully poured out on Jesus. And it was like a shield. Jesus shielded us from the wrath of God. He took the wrath and he satisfied the wrath of God 
the justice of God, the perfectness of God on the cross. Jesus knew this had to happen, but he said, Father, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, Matthew 26, 39, he said this to his father. He said, he bowed his face to the ground. He's praying and he says, my father. Okay, let me remind us, the scriptures teach us that he was praying so earnestly that, I mean, just giant sweat drops were falling. I mean, this was intense, intense prayer. He says, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Now now put yourself in in the shoes of Jesus. I don't know what it is that you're praying for, but maybe you have been on your knees begging and saying, God, please bring him back. Father, please don't let her leave me. Father, please, would would you provide? Would you take care of this need? Father, would you help my son to return? Father, would you help my daughter to 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 be her eyes to be open to your truth. Maybe you've been earnestly praying. And it doesn't seem like God is answering it the way you want it to be answered. Like this is this is the test of our faith as Christians. This is the hardship that it can be sometimes. But Jesus is the example that we look to and that last statement is so critical. He says I want your will to be done, not mine. And if we could have that kind of a mindset when we pray, like, Father, this, this is what I want. But I, I want more than that for your will to be done. It's this attitude of submission. It's this realization that God knows best, that he's in control. And if only we had that mindset when we prayed. You see, unanswered prayer or prayers that don't get answered the way they think that we think they should be, it's a challenge. It's difficult. But here, once again, we see Jesus showing the way. He asked his Father for another way, but he submitted himself to the will of his Father, knowing that his Father is good, knowing that his Father was and is in control, knowing that his Father His Father's way was the best. Knowing that this was the only way for you and I to be set free from our brokenness. Jesus asked, yet he still surrendered. Does that make sense? Jesus asked, but he still surrendered. When you pray, you ask. You say, God, this is what I see. This is what I want. But I'm going to surrender to what you want, to your plan." And I'm going to trust it. No matter what it looks like, I'm going to trust you with it. Luke chapter 11, verse 1 again says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. So throughout the next couple weeks in this series called Prayer, we're, we're going to take a very close look at what Jesus, his response They say, Jesus, please teach us to pray. And Jesus responds. He says, when you pray, verses 2 through 4, say, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In three short verses, Jesus teaches us how to pray. And throughout the next couple weeks, we are going to unpack those three verses and we're going to dive into the Lord's Prayer. Like, what was Jesus saying? Is this something that we're just supposed to repeat kind of mindlessly, which I think many of us have done? Or is, is there something more to it? Is there a deeper meaning? What was Jesus intending when he said this? I mean, there are prayer, life-changing lessons to be seen in these very familiar words, the Lord's Prayer, if we slow down long enough to notice them, to see them. Listen to the, to the words from George Mueller. I'm going to have him kind of bring the conclusion for us. Listen to what he said in regards to his prayer life. He says, I live in the spirit of prayer. I pray as I walk, when I lie down, and when I rise. And the answers are always coming. Tens of thousands of times my prayers have been answered. When once I am persuaded a thing is right, I go on praying for it until the end comes. I never give up. Man, he said, once I am persuaded, once I know what is right, once I hear the Spirit of God tell me to go windward, I pray in that direction until it happens. That's that's incredible faith. And he says, I never give up. I never stop praying for what I know is right, for what I know God has put on my heart. This morning, I'm going to encourage us to pray as a church. Okay? We're talking about prayer. We're studying prayer. You're going to learn some lessons about prayer. And then we're going to be hands-on. We're going to get practical and we're going to actually pray together. All right. So if you're getting a little uncomfortable and nervous already, Good. (laughs) All right? We need to pray. We need to put it into practice. So, this morning, I want to encourage you. George Mueller prayed for his needs. Okay? And he was feeding thousands of orphans. He had lots of bills. He had to provide lots of food. And he trusted God for his provision. I know for a fact there's many of us that have needs. We have needs that we, man, we, there's things that are heavy on us. And so this morning, I'm going to encourage you to pray for whatever it is you need. But following the model of Jesus, I'm going to invite us to pray together, okay? I know there's some people here this morning, maybe this is your first time in church. Man, this is going to be an awesome thing for you because someone's going to pray for your needs. And someone's going to bless you by praying for you. And so I want to invite those of you that are, Man, maybe you're further down the road on your faith journey. I want you to lead the way. I want you to find someone that you don't know and to go up to them and say, what's your name? What's your name? And what need do you have that I can pray for? Pray for someone this morning. Go to someone you don't know and pray for them. Lift their need up in prayer. Step out of your comfort zone. The scripture says to pray for one another. It's just very simply put, pray for one another. 
And we're going to do that. We're going to practice what we preach this morning. Others of you, maybe you're a little nervous. You're sitting next to your spouse. It's okay. You can pray with your spouse. Man, just say, what are, what are our needs right now? And let's ask God to provide what our needs are. Think about, do our needs line up with truth? Are we, are we asking something that's just, man, this is, this is not really what we need. It's more what we want. Or, you know, try to wrestle with that a little bit. But man, go to the Lord and say, God, this is what we want. This is what we need. Would you please provide it? So let's do that this morning. We, uh, we got some time, just so you know. We got some time. I think church should be a little more uncomfortable at times. I really do. So I'm going to count to three. And I hope some people just jump up and go, let's pray on the count of three. One, two, three. Let's pray.